and Crossroads, we are diving into week five of our series, Fruits, and I'm excited because we're talking about one of the most underrated fruits of the Spirit today, and that is kindness, all right? And here's the thing, we're all learning Greek today, all right? So just get ready. It's going to be fantastic. You guys are excited? <laughs> this is going to be so great. Uh, if you're here today, I just want you to know this. Uh, you are loved. God loves you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. And there's a reality that goes along with that, and that's, that's the reality that God, in his kindness, has brought us to him. He made the first move. It says in Romans 5.8 that God showed his love for us, that while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies, while we were still far away from him, Christ died for us. He paid the price that we could not pay. That is his grace that goes before us. It's called prevenient grace. It's his kindness. It's his mercy that draws us to him even when we don't deserve it. And I, for one, am thankful today for the kindness that God has shown me, for the kindness that God has shown all of us. And we are called, as that is an attribute of God, his kindness, we are called to let that be a characteristic, a, a fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us that that pours and flows out of our lives. The same way that God has been kind to us is the same way that we are to show kindness to others. And so I just want you to think about this today as we dive into this concept. I want you to think about who it is in your life that is desperate for an act of kindness. Would you just think about that today as we unpack uh, what we're walking through today with this, this attribute of kindness? Who in your life is desperate for kindness? Because I contend with you today that kindness can ripple through, through eternity. It can change people's lives. It's underrated, and your kindness can make a huge difference. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, this is what this whole series is based on. It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says there is no law against these things. And what we've realized as we've started unpacking this is that love is the root of the fruit, all right? It's all based on the love that God has for us and then us in turn loving others the way that God has loved us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the greatest two commandments that we are called to live out in our lives. And so all of these things are an overflow of God's love for us. So we've realized that joy then is love rejoicing in all that God has done for us. We are created by him. We are created for him. We have hope. We have purpose. We have a future because of what Jesus has done for us. That is love rejoicing. We have peace. We have peace with God, peace that passes all understanding. That comes from love trusting in his promises for our lives. When I put my trust in God's promises for me, I'm able to experience peace in any situation because I know who I am. I know that my future is secure. I know that God is with me. Those fruits, I would contend with you today, are upward fruits. They are directly related to our relationship with God. When I'm walking with God, love overflows. I experience joy. I experience peace that only God can give me. Well, then we transition to the outward fruits, the fruits that relate to others. Last week, we talked a little bit about that in regard to patience. I mean, in summary, if you missed last week, patience really is just the ability to put up with people you'd like to put down. It's that easy, all right? Just so if you don't remember anything else today, that's patience. You're, you're, you're putting up with people you'd like to put down. It, patience is love persevering. It's pressing on. It's continuing to love even when it's difficult. 
the same way that God loves us when we are difficult, right? And so today when we talk about kindness, we're talking about love expressing itself to others through serving, through serving. Con- contend, I, I contend with you, and I would ask you to consider today, what does it look like to truly be kind? What does that really mean? I mean, kindness as defined in Scripture is it's tender-hearted concern for others. It, it meets real needs without, you know, begrudging people or judging people or causing any harm or cruelty. It just meets that need and has tender-hearted concern. The Greek word for that is Christotes, all right? Christotes. That's your Greek lesson today. Let's all say that together on three. One, two, three. Christotes. Now say it like you mean it, like, mm, here, this is a big deal. One, two, three. Christotes. Oh, man, you guys are so fluent in Greek. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say now. This is fantastic. Uh, we are all learning here today, and it's amazing. Uh, kindness is love serving. What's interesting about that word is it also is interchangeable with the word for mercy. Because I think in God's kindness, when you think about what he has done for us, he has shown us incredible mercy. Again, we have done nothing to deserve his kindness, his mercy, his love. While we were enemies, while we were still far from him, he paid the price that we could not pay. It's his kindness that allows us to even enter into his presence. And we are called to be kind to love others with the same love that God has shown us. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes, be kind and compassionate to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That's a big deal. That's how we are called to be kind. And I would contend with you today that now more than ever, people need kindness. I mean, if you're in the social media world or just reading through comment sections on news articles that you read, you need some kindness out there, people. Come on now. Uh, It was back in November, I think. I kind of had a gut check. I'm going, Tim, you're on Facebook, social media too much, and it's just so negative. I made a choice. Uh, on a Sunday afternoon, I I said, I'm just going to not be on social media nearly as often. This is just not healthy. And it was that night someone hacked my account, and I'm not even able to get into my Facebook page, which is amazing. So I'm out. So if you've messaged me over the last eight months, I haven't responded. And it's not because I don't like you. It's because I've been locked out. It's been fantastic. I've not really tried very hard to get back in. Although I will say, about four months ago, I did start a new account on Facebook, a new Tim Fisher account, and I started just randomly sending friend requests, and it took about 12 hours. That account also locked me out because so many people reported me as a stolen or fake account. So for what it's worth, it's impossible for me uh, to get back in social media. I think it's God talking to me. But the reality is, man, you, you read what people say just how, how difficult it is to find someone who shows kindness because everybody is just piling on the people who are hurting, right? It's, it's pushing people down to make ourselves look good. Any situation ha- that happens, it's negative or bad. We're trying to politicize it and, and try to make it cause division. And kindness is completely left on the back burner. And yet it's, it's kindness that can send ripples through eternity. A, a simple act of, of, of kindness, an encouraging word, being intentional and reaching out to someone who's discouraged or down, those moments of kindness can change everything in someone's life. Kindness is underrated, and we are called to be kind. God is kind. It says in Jeremiah 31, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, 
I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness, with loving mercy. God has drawn us to him, and we are called to be kind, to be loving in the same way that God has been kind and loving to us. That is the fruit of the Spirit overflowing out of our lives. And I just want to encourage you to think about today, again, who is it in your life who is desperate for an act of kindness? Just by being intentional, by being willing to step out of your comfort zone and give an encouraging word, offer a helping hand. Who in your life is desperate for an act of kindness that you could change the trajectory of life just by being kind? Jesus addressed this in Luke chapter 10, and I think the setting for this is pretty incredible. Uh, it says in Luke chapter 10 that there's this young man, he's a religious leader, uh, he's in the crowd and he's listening to Jesus. And sometimes I try to put myself in the setting of what I'm reading in Scripture, and wouldn't that just be amazing to have been in the presence of Jesus? There's Jesus, he's performing miracles, he's healing people, he's doing unbelievable things right in front of you, and he's teaching about the kingdom of heaven. I mean, everything about that moment would just be incredible. And so you have this religious leader who's taking in everything that Jesus is doing right in front of him, and he asks him, he kind of raises his hand and asks a question that is really quite significant. He says to Jesus, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think at the end of the day, that's a question that all of us grapple with. That's a question that we have, and it's, it's why we seek the face of Jesus. I, I want to really live. I want to know what it looks like for me to to live my life in such a way that when, when I take my last breath here on earth, I'm standing in the presence of God and he's saying, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my kingdom and I'm spending eternity with him. That's what I want and that's what this young guy wanted in the crowd. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus' response is awesome. He says, well, what does it say in the scriptures? What have you learned? What have you been taught? And so the guy responds. He says, well, the way I read it, the scriptures teach us to, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. It's, it's God first. He says, and it also says, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus' response is fantastic. It's just, right, do that and you will live. It's like, you are the one. Ding, 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 you have done it. That's fantastic. That'd be a great response. I answer Jesus' question. He says, right. I'm going, yes, I did it. But not this guy, because the reality is he had to do a clarifying question. And the only reason he had to ask a follow-up clarifying question is because he wasn't actually living this out. His clarifying question is, yeah, Jesus, just one more thing. Who is my neighbor? I mean, you get what's happening here, right? He's been a jerk. That's what's happening, okay? He's trying to clarify, is it everybody? Because I've been nice to some people. Just not. Who's my neighbor? Let's clarify this. And that's the setting where Jesus tells this story, an epic story that most people are familiar with. If you read through the scriptures, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. That's the setting that Jesus tells this story in. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. Not a good day. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Picture Connor McGregor laying on the, on the mat last night. 
by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. This is significant. Jesus is pointing out the priest, the pastor of the day, that's Pastor Tim in the Bible. He passed by the guy on the other side of the road. He saw this man who's hurting, he's been beaten, he's in bad shape, and what does Pastor Tim do? He walks by on the other side. Oh, that's a little inconvenient for me today. Oop. Not going to happen, not going to happen. Before you judge, Jesus continues. Then a temple assistant walked over, that's you guys, and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side, so shame on you. This is where it gets real. Then a despised Samaritan came along. Nobody liked Samaritans. Samaritans were outsiders. They were outcasts. No one even wanted to deal with them. They ignored them as much as they possibly could. But Jesus makes a point of saying a Samaritan, the outcast, the outsider, came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. That's number, remember that, compassion. He felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy, the one who showed him kindness. Then Jesus said, yes. Now go and do the same. This is a pretty critical moment in this guy's life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Man, one of the deepest questions we could possibly ask. He's in the presence of Jesus himself. Jesus says, well, what does the scripture say? It's pretty clear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Give him everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. Let that love flow out of your life into the life of others. Yeah, but who is my neighbor? Well, it's, it's the people in your life that you see that are hurting. It's the people in your life who are desperate for an act of kindness. That's what Jesus is circling. He's saying, hey, you can't miss out on the people who are hurting, who are desperate for an act of love, an act of mercy, an act of kindness. That is how you love your neighbor. This is a big deal. Jesus recognizes in this moment that kindness, that compassion, it ripples through eternity. Those moments where we help that person who's desperately in need of that act of kindness, that can change someone's life forever. That can change someone's life and impact generations. Those moments can ripple through eternity. That's why I think kindness is the most undervalued uh, trait of the fruit of the Spirit. The Good Samaritan teaches us a few things about kindness. Number one, we realize that kindness leads with compassion. It's, remember, tender-hearted concern for others. That's the heart of what kindness is. You have to be able to look through the eyes of Jesus at the people around you. And when people are hurting, instead of, you know, pushing them farther down so you can look better or just judging them or making comments like we tend to do in our culture today, truly having compassion. 
Because that's where it begins. It's that heart of realizing there are people in my life who are desperate for an act of kindness, just like I at one point in my life was desperate for an act of kindness from God. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Why? Because God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. It's what God has done for us. This is how we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We show kindness. We lead with compassion. And I think we've got to be careful. I mean, honestly, there are, there are people that are bad actors in this world. They're going to try to take advantage of it. Sometimes showing kindness can actually just enable somebody down a, a, a path that they shouldn't be going. So you have to have judgment. You have to have discernment. I mean, when the, the next email arrives, you know, the Nigerian prince is asking you for funds to fund his, his uh, you know, whatever's going on over in Nigeria, you don't have to give to that email. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? On that note, we know what that money's been going to, right? We learned that last night. He's been funding the Nigerian basketball team because they beat Team USA last night. That's a fact. Uh, so don't send any more money to the Nigerian guy. Uh, <laughs> that was just a side note. I usually say those things for 1130, but here we are at the 10 o'clock and my bad. Uh, <laughs> it, it starts with compassion. It starts with compassion. When you see someone in need, don't start justifying, well, you know, they made bad choices. That's why they're there. When you see someone in need who's desperate for an act of kindness, who, just an encouraging word, just a little intentionality, a, a little bit of inconvenience, could drastically change their life. Be willing to lead with compassion, because compassion wins the day. It, it, it begins with compassion. Kindness then continues with action. You, you've got to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and actually step out and, and, and take action. I think a lot of times, we'll have thoughts go through our mind. Someone will come to mind, oh, I should call that person, I should give them an encouragement, there's someone in need that I could help, but it just kind of stops as a thought. You have to take action. I, I gotta be honest with you, one of the lessons that I've learned over the last few years that have been critical to me and my, just my own development, my own journey with Jesus is <clears throat> just the recognition that when God places someone on your heart, I've learned to just trust my gut. If, if there's a name that flashes my mind that I, I think, man, I should give that person a call, just check and see how they're doing. More times than not, when I just trust that instinct, when I make that call, that ends up being a conversation that was really meaningful because I feel like God led me to call that person. A, a, a spiritual conversation happened, a sacred moment occurred because I was obedient. I was willing not just to have a thought about it, but actually take action on it. And I think a lot of times we are kind by nature. We realize that God has been kind to us. We think about being kind, but somehow it, it stops between thought and action. We've got to be willing to step out of our comfort zone, even when it's inconvenient. When you see something that's, that's dirty, it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, we can't, we can't fall into the trap of walking around it, right? We, we've got to go to it and embrace that moment because those are where the moments happen that ripple through eternity, Kindness, it leads with compassion, it continues with action, and I would contend with you today that it, it, it's at its finest. Kindness, it stands up tallest when it leads with generosity. I mean, this Samaritan, not only did he go soothe this guy's wounds, help him get on his feet, get him going, he went above and beyond. It says he put him on his donkey, he took him to the nearest inn, and he, and he paid for him to stay there until he was healed. I mean, he went above and beyond. It says he gave the guy two silver coins, that's the equivalent of a day's wages, he was generous. <clears throat> he gave money that he really didn't have a lot of extra of anyway, but he was generous in helping this person out. Generosity, it changes things. And I think a lot of times generosity is, is the lid that we put on ourselves that 
keeps us from living into moments that God has called us to. And if we're willing to acknowledge there are people in our lives that are desperate for an act of kindness, if we're willing to have compassion on them, willing to take action, willing to go above and beyond and lead with generosity, man, that makes a difference. I think when it comes to generosity, I've been grappling with this for a couple of months, this idea. There's the reality that I think we have to overcome the two words that we've all been programmed with from birth, okay? This isn't scientific. This is just observation, all right? This is a hypothesis. I think we've all been born with two words pre-programmed into our vocabulary, all right? Tell me if I'm wrong now. The, The first word is no. How many of you ever taught your kids to say no, huh? Nobody? Yeah, it just happens, right? It's natural. No! Well, not my kids, your kids. So, (laughs) so, no is one word we've all been pre-programmed with. I think the other one is mine, right? Did you ever have to teach your kid that one? Mine! No! Mine! Too much? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think we're in lifelong recovery from those two words, right? No! All Jesus asks us to do throughout life is say yes. Say yes to Jesus. Number one, you say yes to accept him into your life. Say, Jesus, yes, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me new. That's where our journey with Jesus begins. That's where transformation happens. That's the moment where the angels in heaven celebrate. You said yes to Jesus. And then there's the lifelong journey where every time God reveals something to you in your character that that he wants to mold, to get rid of it and mold you into his likeness, where he's wanting you to become more and more like him. I got to fight the urge to say no, and I say yes every single time because the lifestyle that Jesus calls to is just simply surrender followed by obedience, followed by surrender, followed by obedience. It's a continual journey of just saying yes to Jesus. So we're recovering from the no, right? And I think when it comes to generosity, we're continually recovering from (laughs) the pre-programmed word, mine, Because God's saying, let it go. It's the blessing I've given you to bless others with. you got to settle the ownership issue. It's not mine. Everything that we have on this planet, it's God's anyway. And so we're foolish when we hold on to our stuff and, and don't lead with generosity. Joy and generosity go hand in hand. So we miss out when we hold back and, and ignore the reward that comes from leading with generosity. And when it comes to kindness, I would just encourage you, go above and beyond. If you see someone in your life who is desperate for an act of kindness, I will say it again, I think kindness is the most underestimated, undervalued, underrated trait of the fruit of the Spirit that there is. Your act of kindness, leading with compassion, taking action, continuing to lead even farther with generosity, that moment where you step up to the plate and love your neighbor, man, that moment, it ripples through eternity. You have no idea what difference that can make. So don't ignore those moments. Don't run from those situations just because they're awkward, just because they take you out of your comfort zone sometimes. Lean into those moments because that is how you love your neighbor. That is who God is calling you to love. I just ask you to consider that today. We can show God's kindness in a couple different ways. Number one, the way we treat those who are hurting. Who's hurting in your life? 
who's desperate for an encouraging word, who is discouraged, who's walking through a valley, who's experiencing a storm, who is desperate for an act of kindness. If God's placing a name on your heart, a face in your mind, reach out. Make yourself available. Lead with compassion. Take action and be generous. Don't hold back. Love your neighbor as yourself. We learn a lot about kindness, about the way we treat our friends. Again, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. These are keys to building great friendships. If we show kindness to our friends, that kindness will come back to us. That's how we create great, lifelong, strong relationships, by leading with kindness. No one's going to want to hang out with you if you're just angry and bitter and rude all the time. Be kind. Rewind. That's old school right there. Be kind. <laughs> Be kind and compassionate to one another. Uh, you can learn a lot about kindness the way we use our influence. This is big. Everybody has influence. Everyone here is a hero to somebody. And to that person, what you say, what you do has an increased level of influence. Who do you have influence over? How can you create an atmosphere of kindness with that group of people? Could be a, a work situation where you manage or oversee a lot of people. How can you make kindness part of your culture? How can you create a culture of kindness in your family? Within the group of people that look up to you, we can lead the way in this. Kindness overflowing from our hearts, the kindness that God has shown us overflowing out of our hearts, it draws other people to Jesus. They see that there's something different. They, they connect with Jesus. That kindness, again, it ripples through eternity. You have no idea the difference that that act of kindness can make. But the final one is the most diff difficult. Because kindness is shown in the way that we treat our enemies. <laughs> the way that we treat the people that really bother us. And I know you, now you think of that name, you know exactly who you're talking about, right? You're like everybody, oh, I know, yep, God's put that person on my heart. It's the way we treat our enemies. I think this is the moment, this is the situation where kindness actually shines the brightest. I mean, when asked about how we treat our enemies, Jesus says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. That's hard to do. That preaches a lot easier than it lives out. But it's moments of kindness and compassion when we deal with our enemies that makes Jesus shine that much brighter in our lives. Because remember, we were once God's enemies. And what did he do? He led the way with kindness. He drew us to him. Man, it's not easy being kind to your enemies. Tenderhearted, forgiving. Ugh, come on now. But that's what God's called us to do. And how about this? This is just bonus. If you're not feeling extra spiritual and you're like, ah, I don't, I'm not digging that, Pastor too. that's not good for me. How about this? It goes on to say, in doing so, by being kind, you heap coals of shame on their head. That's kind of cool. That feels good, right? You're with me now? <laughs> Kindness. It matters. It is a characteristic of God himself that exudes itself in our life. It overflows from our heart because we're walking with Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, kindness can change everything. So who is it in your life that is desperate for an act of kindness today? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Because in this moment, I really want you to lean in to this action step. This week, I would like you to take action. Be praying about, maybe you've got that person's name in your mind, you can see their face right now. There's someone in your life who God's placing on your heart who is desperate for kindness. It might be a friend. It might be someone in your circle of influence 
Wait for it, it might be an enemy. But that person who God's placing on your heart right now, who is desperate for an act of kindness, I'm going to tell you today, if you're willing to show compassion, if you're willing to take action, if you're willing to even take the next step and be generous, your act of kindness can be the light of Jesus to that person. That act of kindness could ripple through eternity. That act of kindness could change the trajectory for generations to come. You have no idea the impact that your kindness will have. So lean into that. Take action and see what God will do. Jesus, you are good. You have been kind. You have been merciful. You have been gracious to us. You love us with an extravagant love, a love that we do not deserve. In fact, while we were far from you, while we were your enemies, you paid a price that we couldn't pay, that we didn't deserve. Jesus, you died on the cross for us, for our sin. And we thank you for that. God, your kindness has drawn us to you. And you ask, God, that we show that kind of kindness to the people in our lives. And so the people in our lives today who are desperate for kindness, God, would you just place that burden on our hearts? It's inescapable. Would you help us to be compassionate, to take action, to lead with generosity, to share your kindness with the people you've placed in our lives? God, you're good. We thank you for your very many blessings in our lives. And we thank you for the ability that we have to play a part in your story that we get to be your hands, that we get to be your feet, and that by loving our neighbor as ourselves, God, we get to connect people with you. So God, use us, I pray. May lives be changed because of who you are and what you are doing in us and through us. We pray this in your name. Amen.